Hello and welcome to The Pig Edge, Chagas Pig Podcast with me, Kieran Carl, bringing you all the latest news, information and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date. And for this episode, we're looking at energy use on pig farms with Damien Fowley and David Fitzgerald from Exemplar Energy Solutions. And I first asked Damien, what are the main contributors of energy use on pig farms? Yeah, Kieran, we've done some load analysis on this for pig farmer clients of ours. Um, to identify the main contributors of energy usage and where the energy is being drawn down on pig farms. Um, it's quite interesting because you can have the farmers then identify where some energy efficiencies can be made. Uh, sometimes there's some surprises on what's actually drawn down the energy um, and it would otherwise go undetected if you hadn't have done the load analysis. So to give you an example of a large pig farm where we did some load analysis for the farmer, the percentage of energy that was drawn down by lighting was 18% and heating 15%. Now in our experience, farmers would expect that to be, to be much higher. They'd be surprised. Um, ventilation, for example, on this farm was 29%. And then the feed pumps and the motors um, was 20%. So, Sometimes it's a it's a worthwhile ex- exercise, especially if uh, the equipment on the farm is quite old. It, it's worth looking into. Very good. Yeah, that is interesting. As you say, you, you would expect the lighting and heating to be higher, maybe. Um, just moving on, then you know, when do you get your gas bill, your electricity bill? What, what should big farmers be looking out for when they get their bill? With the farmers, they're probably all with different suppliers, and they're on different tariffs. They still though should have some commonality across their builds and some things that are uh, generic. So the first thing, obviously, their eyes are, are drawn to are the, the unit rates and the standing charges, which uh, form the, the majority part of the, the cost of the bills. Um, the unit rates, they should be checking to see whether they're in contract or not. If they're out of contract, it'll be very apparent on the bill. Um, straight away because an out of contract rate could sometimes be up to four or five cent more per unit that they're drawn down be it a day rate or a night rate or a summer rate or a winter rate um, so it's very important that they check that um, I suppose have a look at the the, the, the rates themselves see if, if they're in contract if they are in contract um, and again, the suppliers will frame it differently, but make sure that the correct contract rate that they've agreed to has been applied. Uh, sometimes that can be through the rate being discounted um, and they might need to, to double check that. But it's worthwhile, um, I suppose, really getting into the detail of it and seeing what charges there are on um the various suppliers like some of them will frame it differently they'll have a isom charge for example where others won't um again the day and night rates and summer and winter rates depending on the tariff they're on um the more they they study the bill and they get a little bit of um familiarity with it they'll spot then very quickly going forward um whether there's been any errors or if as, as i said that there's a chance that they've um, gone into an out of contract. Um, one of the things that we find in this industry is the contract expiry date won't be flagged 
to the customer. Uh, so a lot of the times they might unintentionally slip into a period where they're on a default out of contract rate and they can be quite punitive. Um, one of the items we get a lot of frustration with is where the farmers will say they're constantly getting estimates and um, the estimates can be, I suppose, I suppose it can be frustrating because they think it's around the usage at the around the time that they've been pulling uh, down the energy, but a lot of the time it can be on the, the previous calendar year. So it's a very simple thing to avoid being on estimates. It's just taking the time to go and get the reads, take the reads uh, and submit them into ESB networks or gas networks so that they know when they get their bill in, it's on an actual read. Now that's on obviously non-quarterly hour uh, meters. You'll have those farmers the larger farmers who are on quarterly hour and uh, the reeds are done remotely. But for your smaller farmers who have general purpose or general purpose night savers, um, it's, a, it's a handy tip to keep in, in mind in that respect. And the last one, it's probably a little bit more technical when you start getting into this area, but it's to look at the MIC is set correctly. So they should be looking at the maximum KVA that they're using, um, it'd be more than one bill. So they'd look at 12 months bills over this period. And um, just to see what's the maximum drawdown on the usage and whether the MIC is set correctly, because if it's too high, they might be paying um, charges unnecessarily. And it's something that can be reviewed by them looking at the bills. But again, if it's a larger farmer, um, you can uh, who has a quarter of the hour you can pull data from the likes of ESB networks and get the MRSO data we can review that for them so um, they're probably the main things to keep in mind Kieran. Very good yeah so well worth spending time there and now uh, David if I could ask you about renewables which you know seems to be a hot topic at the moment can you give us a flavor of what's going on there with renewables maybe starting with solar energy? The renewable electricity industry has been uh, going in Ireland since ba basically the early 90s when um, the government first started uh, supporting the industry. Um, in recent years, I guess, there's, there's been sub substantially more traction. Um, uh, there's, there's a lot more public awareness and a lot more um, kind of urgency on the science side around climate change. Um, and it's kind of been translated a lot into into policy um, in terms of ambitions. So for example, uh, up until 2020, the, the government tar target for renewable elect electricity was um, to be 40% renewable, um, which uh, we probably haven't met. Uh, we're, we're probably there or thereabouts, but um, um, not quite achieved that target. Um, this now has increased for the next 10 years uh, to 70%. So it's, it's an enormous uh, technical challenge, um, but there's a lot of activity to, um, to work towards that target. Um, so you're, you're going to be hearing a lot more about it in, in the next decade. Um, so like there, there's various schemes um, that are put in place to realize this ambition uh, in terms of uh, grant funding and uh, operational support for, for larger wind farms and solar farms. But policy aside, <coughs> there's um, been some significant technological advances as well, uh, both in price and um, 
efficiency and they, they've really made renewables very competitive with, with fossil fuel generation or more traditional forms of generation in recent, in recent years and solar is a good case in point for Ireland um, because uh, you know uh, people wouldn't really um, associate Ireland with hours and hours of sunshine every every day but um, the fact uh, the fact is that the, the solar panels have, have dropped in the last 10 years they've dropped by about 80% in price and during that time as well there's been ongoing efficiency gains as manufacturing techniques and the science behind them uh, gets more refined so we're kind of left in a place now where where the market is actually really starting to get a bit of traction in the last couple of years um, there's a lot of solar projects uh, being installed at the moment and it, it, it's really kind of hit a point where um, these, these projects make sense on their own without government support, um, which is why uh, a, a lot of our clients have, have opted to, to kind of invest in, in solar electricity. And what about biomass as an energy source? Yeah, um, so biomass um, is, is considered a carbon neutral energy source, source in, in that um, you're burning uh, wood basically, which is releasing carbon dioxide, but you're you're replenishing that by basically growing it again and putting it back into the system. So it's kind of a circular system that's carbon neutral. Um, so you know this is relevant to um, pig farms uh, to to supply heating needs. So if you know what it would take the form of a wood chip or a wood pellet boiler. Um, as an alternative to, to gas or oil, standard gas or, gas or oil boilers. Um, there's a few key differences. Um, the fuel is bulkier, obviously. Um, it's more difficult to handle and it requires more space to store because it's just less energy dense than, than gas or oil. Um, there's also a lot of moving parts or a lot more moving parts in the systems, uh, which make them a bit trickier to maintain. Um, but uh, on the other hand, last year, the government introduced uh, a, new, a brand new support scheme uh, for this technology. It's called the Support Scheme for Renewable Heat. Um, under this scheme, the user is paid per kilowatt hour of heat output, and this is guaranteed for a 15-year period. So the rationale behind this basically is to, is to kind of um, compensate the, the user for the additional expense and, and maintenance costs. Uh, associated with the with the technology, um, so it, it basically designed to provide a, an incentive for people to uptake the, the technology. But it's it's actually um, it's a good scheme for the right user, um, and it, it's um, you could expect uh, you know depending on your usage anywhere between fifteen thousand and twenty five thousand um, uh, income a year through the, the support scheme payments. Um, so it's it's if you're if you're currently on oil or gas, it's one to it's definitely worth looking into. Okay, yeah. And is wind then is wind energy an option for pig farms? Uh, yeah, it it is, but it it might be. Um, it's potentially more difficult to sue to source suitable technology at the scale required. So, I I'd, I've looked at wind for a couple of pig units, but. Um, they tend to be more suited towards a larger scale, you know, anywhere, anything sizing, uh, you know, a million units year, a year and above. And that, that might be, you know, a pig farm with two, two and a half thousand sows. So it's, it's sort of on the larger end of it. Um, 
the reason is the leading turbine manufacturers have, have kind of continuously increased the size of their turbines um, over, the, over the past number of decades just due to economies of scale. So it's, it's difficult to find turbines that are small enough uh, to, to, that would be suited to the load profile of a pig farm. Um, there are some options in sm at smaller scales, but per, the price per kilowatt tends to be um, a little bit high and uh, they may be from less proven manufacturers. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult to find solutions. Um, there's one in interesting market though. Um, uh, it's the refurbished turbine market. It's basically where smaller turbines, which had been installed uh, possibly in the early 90s and some of the first wind farms are, are kind of reaching the end of their design life now and being decommissioned. Um, these are kind of, these are sold on a secondary market and are uh, acquired by engineering companies who, who basically refurbish them and bring them back up to their original design life. And then they're sold to uh, commercial and industrial uh, clients for, for uh, producing electricity um, direct to the site. Um, so uh, the benefit here is, is basically the cost is, is, is a lot lower than a new turbine of the same, um, uh, of the same rated capacity. Um, a lot of them are, are, they might be dated in terms of technology, but they're, they would have been originally manufactured um, to high standards by, by good companies. And um, uh, the people who are refurbishing them, uh, uh, you know, are provided that they're, you know, um, doing doing so appropriately and, and taking the correct care and in, in, in bringing them back up to their design life. Um, you know, you 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 could be left with a, a good product that will uh, um, uh, may suit the, the low profile to a to a pig unit. But again, it's it's probably on the larger scale of of pig farms that you'd be looking at investigate, investigating this technology. Very good. And um, on grants, what type of grants are available for these systems? Yeah, um, typically uh, the main ones to look at for uh, pig farms would be the, the TAMS grant, which I'm sure most of your listeners would, would be um, familiar with, but um, uh, that would be uh, up to 40% capital costs. And then on, on the other side, there's um, the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland uh, have several grant schemes uh, where up to 30% capital costs are available. Um, there's two schemes in particular, the Better Energy Community Schemes and the Exceed Scheme. Both would, will fund up to 30% uh, capital costs of these types of projects. Okay. And finally, David, for yourself, um, what three tips would you give for pig farmers to think of with regards to energy usage? Yeah, um, number one, I, I think I'd, I'd, I'd advise to initially look at rooting out inefficiencies before considering renewable generation. Um, you know, there's no point in installing a 100 kilowatt solar array if it's, if it's, uh, if it's powering inefficient equipment. So, you know, look at uh, variable speed drive for ventilation fans. Um, LED lighting if you're still on fluorescent and uh, the, um, you know other other uh, inefficiencies such as compressed air leaks um, I, I kind of concentrate on, on rooting those out first and then and then move on to renewables once you're once you're once you've addressed any efficiencies on site number two I just, just look at the load profile um, of your of your site and 
select a renewable technology with, which best matches it. Now, in my um, experience, pig farms have a fairly steady, low profile, um, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, which is actually uh, ideally suited to renewables because it reduces the time where there's uh, excess supply to meet demand. So um, I, I'd look at it in a bit more detail. Like if you have uh, daytime peaks or increased usage in the summer, that's something that, that would be obviously suited to solar. Um, the third uh, tip would be uh, just if you're getting uh, proposals uh, from from equipment suppliers, just get. I'd advise you to get a second opinion on on the estimated savings. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, they tend to be on the optimistic side. Um, so I, I'd just uh, keep a close eye on that as well. Very good, thanks, David. So, uh, Damien, just back to yourself, there. Can you tell us a little bit about Exemplar Energy Solutions? You know, the type of clients you cater for, how you originated, etc. Sure, absolutely, Kieran. So. We're an Irish owned company uh, based in Cork, but we've offices in Limerick, Kilkenny, and Dublin. And the company was set up in 2008 by two brothers, uh, Jonathan and Vincent Fitzpatrick. So, obviously, a family owned business, and they recognized as the energy market um, entered the, the regulation phase that there was a need for a broker service um, out there for clients. So. Trading since 2008, and we specialize in the effective procurement of gas and electricity for all sectors, SME, um, agriculture. Um, we have 12 staff, and that includes energy analysts, chartered accountants, chartered engineers, energy uh, traders. Um, and I myself joined the company in 2018, look after the Leinster region, and then the Kilkenny office with David here today. Um, and we cater for all commercial energy users um, that are pulling down large amounts of energy. So it's industries um, ranging from the likes of quarries, manufacturers, pharma, retail groups, food and drink companies, and then um, obviously uh, farms. And do you have pig farms as clients? We do. We have quite a lot of farms as, as clients, but especially uh, pig farm clients uh, throughout the country that myself and my colleagues, Jonathan and Pat, look after. Um, pig farmers, have, they're quite good at um, speaking to each other and uh, they seem to have a good community and they've referred us um, to, um, to each other. So we look at uh, after pig farms of all sizes, really from uh, new startups to established large operators. Very good. And finally, where can farmers find out more information if they're interested in following up on this? Yeah, I think as uh, David mentioned on the renewables, the sustainable energy um, website of Ireland is is a good resource to check out. Um, ourselves, we're available at uh, www.exemplarenergy.ie um, and obviously if any of the listeners, the uh, pig farmers, they want to get in touch through yourself if you, uh, to get our, our own contact details. Uh, we'd be delighted to talk to them. Okay, very good. Thanks, lads. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for the latest episode of The Pig Age. And my thanks to Damien Fowley and David Fitzgerald for joining me on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a show. And for more information on farming, go to chagas.ie. 
I'm Kieran Carr, and thanks for listening.